We're going to begin with this first letter that the Apostle Peter wrote to the churches that were scattered throughout Asia Minor. We say, what's Asia Minor? It says all the names of the cities here, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. You say, where is that? Well, that's the area just south of the Black Sea. If you look at a, a map and you would think of how um, the, the Mediterranean Sea is like this and, and we have like Jerusalem is down here, the Mediterranean Sea, and we have kind of the area that Paul was in up and down the coast and then went around this way around the top. Well, the Black Sea is right over here. And so um, you just kind of, kind of straight north of Jerusalem up to the Black Sea. So this is all the churches in that area, Asia Minor, south of the Black Sea that he's writing to and he lists them here. And the reason that I believe that I have really felt drawn to look at this letter is because the things that Peter addressed in this letter, um, helping the people there in their unique situation, we'll find out what that is in a minute, has a lot of similarities to our current situation in, in America and in the world. And I would say this maybe a little more accurately to what I think our situation is going to become like in the near future, um, here and around the world. You see, Peter's writing to a specific kind of people. Peter was writing to Christians who had been scattered all over Asia Minor because, at their time, there was um, intense persecution against the church. The world of that day did not like what Christianity stood for, so they did whatever they could to silence the church. Matter of fact, you understand, when this was written, this was about a hundred, in the first hundred years of, of the church, that for the first 300 years of the church that Christianity existed, that, that pretty much all people groups and governments and other religions that were existed, like Judaism at the time, did everything they could to silence Christianity. The first 300 years was not fun to be a Christian. And that's when most of the, most of the New Testament was, you know, we find that all in that first 300 years, they were living in a time when everybody wanted them to go away or just shut up or leave or literally be dead. They killed them. But guess what? That didn't work. Because Christianity following Jesus isn't just another religion. No, it's people coming into a relationship with the one and only true God, the creator of everything. And you know what we know about that? That can't be stopped. Now, we're going to look at these people who Peter's writing to that were, they were under, they were being scattered, they were under persecution. And I don't want us to think that, I don't think I'm saying this, I'm not saying that we have it in any way as difficult as those followers of Jesus did. Matter of fact, Peter, we know from history, um, was executed for following the preaching of Jesus. However, I do think this, the temperature is getting turned up against Christianity in many ways, in many parts of the world, and that that is starting to happen, I think, quite rapidly in our culture. And I'd say this, if as a pastor, I was not making you aware of this, that, that the culture is changing, then helping you to see how we can navigate such times um, well, and reminding us that we are on the winning side, then I just think I wouldn't be doing my job as a pastor. And that's my job in this cultural moment to help us to see that. And that's why we're going to spend this time um, looking at what the Apostle Peter had to write in his first letter um, called First Peter. Because I believe he's going to write some things that can help us um, navigate our times properly. 
He'll help us understand this, and it's the title of our series, um, kind of an interesting graphic for it, that we don't fit. At least it's, there we go. Do you ever feel like a square peg in a round hole? That's what we're going to be talking about. That's really what this book is all about, that we don't fit, that we are different than the world around us because we serve a different king, and knowing and serving a different king, King Jesus, does make us see everything differently. Matter of fact, we are different. We value different things than the world around us does. We are compelled to avoid certain things that the world just embraces. Why? Because the spirit of our king resides within us and changes us from the inside out. And here's what you need to understand about being a square peg in the round hole of society. That's a good thing. It's a good thing to not fit in. I am glad that I don't fit in the culture around us. So, let's get started. Let's look at the first few verses of what Peter has to say to his followers, the followers of Jesus, who just said, they're just realizing, we just don't fit. We're a bunch of square pegs in round holes, and we're getting persecuted because of it. The world doesn't like us. Let's see what Peter has to say to them. We're just going to look at the first two verses of 1 Peter this morning. Um, so look at, look at that, verse 1 of chapter 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood, may grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Okay, now. Before we look at what Peter specifically has to say, let's first take a moment and remember just who it is that's writing this letter. This is Simon. We call him Simon Peter. This is Simon the fisherman that Jesus called to follow him. One day he said, Peter, come follow me. He's the one that Jesus changed his name. He says, your name is Simon, but I'm going to call you Peter. And that, what's that name mean? Everybody remember? Rock. He said, your name is Simon, but I'm going to call you the rock. You're, you are the rock. And, and Jesus said it was upon that rock, the rock being the confession of his faith. One day Jesus said, who do people say I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, that's true, Simon Peter. God, man didn't show you this, God showed you this. And upon that rock, that confession of your faith, I'm going to build my church. Peter was um, one of Jesus' inner circle, one of his closest three. Peter was, had the privilege of being on the Mount of Transfiguration that day when Jesus went up on that mountain and somehow his divinity outshined his humanity and he, he glowed and Peter saw that. He saw Jesus in a way no one else had. Peter was on the boat was in the boat when Jesus one day said, you know what, cast the net on the other side after fishing all night and catching nothing. And they get so many fish, the nets are breaking, the boat begins to sink. This is Peter who walked with Jesus for over three years, listening to him preach, seeing him do miracles, um, uh, even doing miracles himself in the name of Jesus. This is Peter who did something no one else has ever done other than Jesus. One day, he was in a storm in a boat. And Jesus comes walking across the water. And everybody thinks he's what? 
He's a ghost. And Jesus says, hey, don't be afraid. And Peter, being Peter, says this, if that's really you, Jesus, tell me to come to you. And Peter does what no one else other than Jesus has ever done. He gets out of the boat in the middle of the storm, and he starts walking on the water. Now, we give Peter a bad rack because they go, oh, Peter lost faith and he sunk. Who of you have ever walked on water without knowing where the rocks were? Right? No one. Peter did what no one other than Jesus had ever done. This is Peter who at Pentecost, the Spirit spoke to him when no one knew what was going on. The the 120 didn't know what was going on. They had just been told, pray and wait for the promise of the Father. And the Holy Spirit falls and there are tongues of fire and they're speaking a language they don't know. And no one knows what's going on. And the Spirit speaks to Peter and says, no, 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 these guys aren't drunk. This is the fulfillment of the prophecy of the prophet Joel. And he preaches, and what happens? 3,000 people get saved in one message. This is Peter, who became the leader of the church once Jesus ascended. And you know what? This is the Peter that when Jesus was arrested unjustly and the beginning to be tried, denied three times that he ever knew who Jesus was. Matter of fact, it says he curses out a little girl. When she says, no, you're one of them. You're one of his followers. And says he begins to curse at a little girl. That's who Peter is. Peter, this is the Peter that one day when Jesus was near the end of his ministry and he's with the 12 and they're walking and Jesus is teaching and Jesus says, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be killed. And Jesus, Peter says, oh, never going to happen. That's never going to happen, Lord. You're going to, you're, no, no person's going to ever kill you. Remember what Jesus said to him? Probably the worst words he ever heard. Get behind me, Satan. Because you don't think of God, you're not thinking of this from God's perspective, you're thinking of it from man's perspective. And this is the Peter. This is Peter that after being restored to Jesus goes on and ministers. He walks up to him and John and to a lame man at the temple gate and he says to them, silver and gold have I none, but what I have in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. And the man rises and walk and they're persecuted by the leaders of the church because they just healed the man at the temple gate. This is Peter church. This is Peter. And I'm, the reason I'm saying, I'm saying, why are you saying all this? Because we have every reason to listen to what this man has to say. He walked through every high and every low that a person could walk through with Jesus. And by doing that, he has earned the right to be heard. And there's a lot of voices today in our world. There's a lot of confusing voices today in our world. A lot of confusing voices coming out of the church world right now that people are hearing and people are being confused. A lot of voices. But this is a voice that I can tell you, you can trust and you can listen to and we should listen to. This is a voice that will say things that we don't like as we go through the book of 1 Peter. He's going to say things that you don't like. And I don't like, and I'd rather he didn't say it, but it's truth. This is the guy who's going to say things that are going to make us uncomfortable at times and also going to encourage us. But his is a voice that we need to listen to and highly value in the day in which we live because he says some things that are incredibly important for the, for the state of the culture that we're in today because this is Peter. So what does Peter have to say to us? 
Well, we just read these first couple of verses, and I just want to kind of walk through those verses and see what he has to say to us. The first words out of, off his pen to these people who are scattered in a persecuted church. What are the, what's he have to say to them right out of the chute? Well, the first thing that I notice is how he addresses this group of misunderstood, persecuted, scattering, suffering, I don't fit in kind of followers of Jesus. What's he do? He reminds them of who they really are. That's really what these first two verses are all about. He's just reminding them of who they really are. This is really interesting to me that he does this. Because if I was writing a letter to a group of people who are going through a lot of difficulty for their faith, um, I have to imagine what I'd probably do is I'd start off by just trying to comfort them. You know, friends, you're just really wonderful and God loves you and it'll be okay. And, you know, in today's words, you're just precious little snowflakes. Maybe something like that. But that's not what Peter does at all. He just reminds them of who they are and then throughout the rest of this letter, you know what he does? Instead of just, just comforting them, he calls them to action. He gives them their marching orders. And I think there's something brilliant about how, what Peter does here. I think it's obviously under inspiration of the Spirit, and that's why, but it's brilliant. Maybe there's something really important to, to learn here. With people who are going through difficulty, they're enduring hardship, it's easy for people in that situation to begin to define their life by their problems. That you know somebody's going through problems and all that seems to resonate in the world, all they're focused on is their problems. Matter of fact, their identity becomes about their troubles. And it's easy to turn inward and simply focus on how bad we have it. Grumble, 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 grumble. But let's be honest with ourselves. I think Peter, that's why Peter does this the way he does. He knows something that that really doesn't help. It really doesn't change anything to just focus on the difficulty and the problem. So Peter doesn't do that. Instead, he reminds them of who they are, who they are in spite of all their challenges and difficulties. And that's what he walks through here. Who are they? The first thing he reminds them of is this. He says, they are chosen aliens. Look at verse 1. To those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who are chosen. They're chosen aliens. It says they are scattered aliens that have been chosen by God. What's he trying to get across there? First of all, he says they're aliens. What's that, what's that mean? Well, there's another word that some of your translations translate that at that, that maybe even gives a little more insight into it. He's, it's the word this, it's sojourners. That they are aliens or they are sojourners. Peter is referring to the fact that for them actually physically, nationally, in their real world, not alone their spiritual life, that they are actually of a native, an alien nationality. That they have been scattered. And they were, were they're, they're, that they're not from where they're living now. That persecution has scattered them to places that, where they are different from those around them. And they see the world differently and they value things differently. And so as sojourners, they are, they're different than everybody around. And they also, this is sojourners, they're just temporary residents. They're just passing through. They don't belong where they are. It's not their long-term residence. They're just sojourners. It's not, this is not their permanent home. They're aliens in this world, sojourners who are just passing through. And Peter's letting them know something. He's letting us know something. That that's a good thing 
to understand. That you don't fit this world because this world isn't supposed to be a place that you fit. It's been corrupted by the reality of sin and as followers of Jesus, you will never fit in if you really walk with Jesus. You will always feel like an alien. You know why? Because you are an alien. You're not from here, meaning this is not where you belong. You have a different home. It's with the Lord in heaven, but this world has been corrupted by sin and we just don't fit anymore. And friends, that's a good thing to understand. So that you don't chafe, you don't struggle, you don't wrestle with it and say, why don't I fit? You just understand as a, as a child of God, I don't fit with the junk going on around me. That's a, that's a good thing because not only are you an alien, you're a chosen alien, he says. You know what he's saying by that? God has chosen you to be his own child. God called you by name, just like he called Peter on that seashore in Galilee. He chose you on purpose. He called you to follow him. You are a chosen alien. Um, No, you don't fit in this world, and you never will, because you are called, we are called to cross-cultural living. This world is not comfortable, um, to you because your Lord, my Lord, has called us to operate um, by a different set of rules, to serve a different king. As a Christian, you have been called to a better way of life than the world around us that's corrupted by sin. You know what life we've been called to? We've been called to a life, a way of love. We've been called to the way of forgiveness. We've been called to the way of grace. We've been called to the way of holiness. We've been called to the way of repentance and confession. That's who you are. You are a chosen alien. And owning this takes away the confusion. When I'm in the world and I'm saying, but I just don't fit, I go, of course I don't fit. I'm a resident alien. You know how many people I spend time with that their big question, their big issue in their life is? They're saying, but I just don't fit. I'm going, yeah, praise the Lord. We're not supposed to fit in this world. So why all the confusion? Guess what? You're a square peg. The world's a round hole. Don't be mad about it. Don't be frustrated by it. Just understand, you don't fit in. Why? Because you walk with King Jesus. And this world and its system is not your home. So you're chosen aliens. Now, now Peter in his verses, it doesn't stop here in reminding these suffering saints, these scattered saints about who they are. The verse goes on to expand the idea of who they are beyond just they're, they're uh, aliens in this world and they don't fit in, but they're chosen by God. So who else are they? He says, you're chosen, how? Verse 2, according to the foreknowledge of God. You're chosen according to the foreknowledge of God. God understand this, God hasn't forced you to be his follower. There's a term, a, a phrase, and, and uh, Evan, you're probably going to learn it at North Central if you haven't already. They're going to say this about foreknowledge, that foreknowledge isn't causative. You heard that yet in school? You got to that yet? You will in one of your theology classes. Foreknowledge isn't causative. That's how theologians explain what's going on here. It's saying just because God knew what was going to happen in your life doesn't mean he caused it. That he's so God that he could understand it. He knows because he knows the end from the beginning. He understood it, what you, who you are, what you're going to do. And so he knew about it, but his knowing about it did not cause it. Um, God hasn't forced you to be his follower. No, rather, somehow in his, in his limitlessness, he knew that you would choose him. So based on that foreknowledge, it says he chose you. 
Can we grasp how comforting that is? That means that if you are a child of God, you will never step outside of the circle of the knowledge of God. That your Father knows everything about the world and everything about you, so you never have to be nervous and worry. And the things that are troubling to you and the things that are mysterious to you, why God is like this, why has my life turned out this way, the things that are hard to understand, why haven't you done this? That he is working out his purposes somehow through all of those because you're never outside of his knowledge. Friends, especially in difficult times, you need to know that your father, he knows what's going on. The one who set the direction of your life long before you took your first breath. He knows. And somehow he is working things for good according to his eternal plan. So Peter says, you know what, you're chosen aliens and God knew you. Um, he knew you and, and he, according to his foreknowledge, he chose you. But what else does Peter say about who we are? He says he did that. Why? How? By the sanctifying work of of the Spirit, to obey Jesus Christ. What's he writing about here? He chose us, his foreknowledge, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ. This is what I think he wants us to understand. You are not in this fight as a square peg in a round hole alone. The Spirit of God dwells in you and he is sanctifying you and he is helping you to grow in Christ's likeness. He is helping you to obey Jesus. We all know that even if we have said yes to God's call in our lives, we have given our lives over to the Lordship of Jesus, we still wrestle with things that are of this world. Even though we're square pegs in a round hole, as we're in this world, we still wrestle with the things around us. The struggle against sin is still very real, and that's just true about human existence. But understand your true identity, he's saying here. You are not just a person who struggles with the world. You're not just a person who struggles against sin. If you are a child of God, you have the Holy Spirit transforming you by His grace. That you are empowered. That you can say no to sin. That you can win the battle. That gives you what you need to win against sin. It's not if you can win. It's not if you can stand right in a world that's gone wrong. You can if you rely on the sanctifying work of the Spirit within you, helping you to obey Jesus Christ. He's saying that's who you are. These people are being confused. These people are being attacked. These people are being mistreated. And they're, and they're, they're floundering. He says, listen, this is who you are. You don't have to give in. Because the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit is working inside of you if you are chosen by God. He says, so you're not in this battle alone. The Spirit of God is within you, helping you to live out your life as a square peg in a world full of round holes. What's the last thing then that Peter reminds us about? About our true identity as Christians in a a culture that's totally different than, than, than God would intend it to be. He says this, and you might say it seems out of place. He said, you've been sprinkled with his blood. We referred to it during communion. You've been sprinkled with his blood. This is an Old Testament image of cleansing and forgiveness where the blood of a sacrifice was sprinkled. They, they killed the animal, and they sprinkled the blood. And when the blood was sprinkled um, upon you or upon the, the object, there was a cleansing, that there was a forgiveness that was, that was um, inferred or, or re- uh, understood. 
what he's talking about here is that by the shed blood of Jesus, we stand before God as righteous. We stand before God as forgiveness. We have been sprinkled with his blood. Jesus has come and his, he has done something amazing for us. You know, we do battle with sin. The round hole still affects us. The pull to be selfish, the pull to be greedy, the pull to be angry, the pull to be unkind is very real. But being reminded that we have been and continue to be sprinkled with the blood of Jesus reminds us that there is still and always will be the offer of ongoing forgiveness, of ongoing cleansing. That today we can still find cleansing and forgiveness. And tomorrow we can still find cleansing and forgiveness. And the day after when we blow it and we will, we can still find cleansing and forgiveness. Peter is saying, listen, you are people who live in the reality of the sprinkling of the blood of Christ. Look what Peter's doing in this text. He's looking at these people. And he's writing them a letter. They're his people he loves and they're scattered around and, and they're, they're far away from home and they're, they're aliens who are chosen. And he's saying, they're saying, we don't, we're, we're in trouble here. We don't fit. These people don't like us. They want to destroy us. They don't like, the people around us don't think like we think. What do we do about it? And he says, oh, friends, look it. You are in Christ. You are a chosen alien. You are, you are known and chosen by God before this world ever began. And you're being transformed into the character of Christ by the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. Promise the ongoing cleansing and forgiveness can, that can only be found in Christ. He says, you're not in trouble. He says to them, you're not in trouble. You may think you're in trouble, but you're not in trouble. He says, look at all you have in Christ. He says, sure, the battle is real. But you can stand strong as a square peg in a round world because you know who you are in Christ. And you can stand and you can endure and you can walk through anything. And friends, that's what Peter's setting up for us today as we begin to look at this letter together. He's looking at every one of us and he says, I know you've got problems. I know there's difficulties. I know you don't fit. I know you're challenged. I know, you, I know that, that people don't like you sometimes. I, man, in this last one year, if you weren't disliked for your Christian beliefs, you probably lived under a rock. He's saying, I get it. Peter got it. He got it so much they crucified him upside down on a cross. That's, what, that's, the, way he, that's what the price he paid for being a square peg in a round hole. But he says, listen, just remember who you are in Christ. Just remember who you are in Christ. And you stand strong in that. In standing in Christ, you can walk through anything. Friends, that's what Peter what Peter's points out to us is a bunch of square a bunch of square pegs. So you know what? I'm glad I don't fit in. And I'm glad you don't fit in. And if we fit in too much in the world, then we better better go to Peter and say, uh, you know what, Peter, what's wrong? How can we do fit in? He's going to go, well, maybe you better go back to understanding what it is to be a child of God. So friends, as the world turns up heat against us, we don't need to sit back and, and cower, and we don't have to sit back and complain and whine and grumble, grumble, grumble. Instead, we have to stand strong and say, this is who I am in Christ. This is who I am in Christ. And you know what you need to do? You need to remind the person next to you who they are in Christ. 
and the, and the other family members who they are in Christ. We don't capitulate. We don't give in. We stand up and we say, this is who we are in Christ. Let's stand firm. And as we do that, we have all we need because we have the only thing we need. We have the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit working through us and carrying us through anything we might encounter. And that's all we need. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together. Lord, thank you that we have had the privilege of gathering together this morning. Thank you that we could celebrate communion, that we could sing songs of worship, and that, Lord, now we could take this time to look at what Peter has to say to us as a church of square pegs in a world that's full of round holes. And Lord, I know right now we just kind of quickly went through this, this, these couple of verses where Peter defines these different things about us. But I would ask now, Holy Spirit, that you would cause the truth of your word to go deep into our souls. And that, Lord, you would help each one of us as we live in this very real world. I know there's people here that are dreading going to work tomorrow because they tell me. Lord, help them see that it's all right that they feel like they don't fit in. And that the reason they don't fit in is often because they just see the world totally different. Help us to, to, not, to not flaunt that, to not try to cause chaos with that or division with that, but help us to just have a sense within our spirit that we just say, I don't fit. I follow a different king and a smile would come to our face. As we're in prayer this morning, just listen to what Peter has to say to people who are Christians. It says you are chosen, you are in Christ, and you're children of God. And we recognize something, Lord. We recognize that whether in this room or watching online, there could be people, and I hope there are, who haven't yet come to know you as their Savior and their Lord. They haven't yet understood that, that you're calling their name. But this morning, something's going on inside of them. And they're understanding this sense, Lord, that, that you are calling them. And they can feel it inside. They're inside and something is saying, I need Jesus. I, I, I don't want to be in this world anymore. I don't want to function like the way of the world anymore. I don't want to be bound by sin anymore. I don't want to live this life anymore. I want to walk with King Jesus. Well, church, I would say this, if that's you this morning, that's you this morning. I want to give you the chance to respond to the Lord. This is what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm not going to embarrass you. I promise you I won't call you out. But I want you to respond. If you say, Pastor Mark, today something inside of me is saying I need Jesus and you want to respond to that. You want to take the first step in receiving Christ in your life. 
and starting a new life with him is what I want you to do. I just want you to raise up your hand. And when I see it, I'm going to tell you to put it down. Oh, we're starting on my left. Just raise up your hand. Okay, in the center. Okay, in the center. You can put your hand down. All right, anybody off to my right? Just put it up. I promise you I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want you to react. I want you to make a move and say, yeah, I'm, I'm ready for this. I want to ask our whole congregation this morning, those of you who raised your hand, I want you to, to join us in a prayer. There's nothing special about the words, meaning there's no, there's no magic formula. It's something that probably most every person in this room has done in some form, has said that I need Jesus in my life and has turned their lives over to him. And we're just going to lead in a prayer and I'm going to invite everybody to pray out loud. Those who have raised their hand, I want you to pray this out loud. We're just talking to God. So let's pray together. All of us, dear Jesus. I recognize I need you today. And something inside of me is recognizing your voice. You're calling me. And today, I want to say yes to following you. So Lord, I open up my life open up my spirit to you today and I ask you receive me as your child make me brand new wash away my sin and my guilt sprinkle me with your blood and from this day forward I want to walk with you so Lord Fill me with your presence. Fill me with your spirit so that from this day forward I would be brand new. So today, Lord, on this day I give my life to you. And I thank you for the gift of salvation in Jesus' name. prayed that prayer this morning I'm going to um, ask you to do something before the sun goes down I want you to tell somebody that you know that's a Christian that today you said yes to Jesus there's two reasons for that number one is it kind of cements it into their heart I mean into your heart it says I really did this and I want somebody to know because sometimes we try to do stuff secretly and, it, and you can be okay, but you know what? There's something about stepping up and saying, this is who I am. It makes it real. That's the one reason. The second reason is this. You're kind of giving that person permission to see how are you doing. To say, hey, how, how's life going? And help you. See, here's what the Bible says about becoming a Christian. It doesn't matter what age you are. That if you ask Jesus to be your Savior, on that day, the Bible uses term, it says, it's just a word picture. It says you're born again. Meaning, um, it was the way that the, the scripture is trying to explain that you're starting brand new. And as a brand new baby, we understand something. You don't, you need other people. And so if you said yes to Jesus today, it means you need other people. And God has put other people around you. This church has been put here. If you don't have a church home and you live near here somewhere, we would love to help you come to know Jesus more and grow in him. We'd love to help you. If you're from somewhere else, you don't know have a good church, talk to me. I'll help you find a good church. 
And so today the Bible says you took a first step. Matter of fact, the Bible says this. The Bible literally says this. It says there is more celebrating in heaven over one person who comes to Jesus than 99 who are already there. The Bible basically says this. The angels throw a party in heaven every time you say yes. And so you're the cause of a party in heaven today. And so celebrate that today. Be happy today. Say your life is going to, I'm telling you, your life will change from this day forward as you walk with Jesus. Isn't that true, church? So many of us, most in here have experienced it. I look around, I'm seeing transformation, transformation, transformation. Change lives because of Jesus. And you just came into the family. You're just welcomed into the family. That's a good thing the best thing. Hey, let me close and let you guys go. Let me pray the great um, blessing that Aaron prayed over the priests over us as we leave today. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you, friends. Have a wonderful day in Christ. If you'd like to talk, I'll be here in the front. If you need prayer, I'll be here in the front. God bless you. Have a wonderful day in Jesus. Try to stay cool out there.